Welcome, everyone. This is Treks to Nowhere. In previous episodes, I've spoken at length about several types of geographic features and landmarks that, while on the surface may seem to be rather simple to define, may actually prove to be much more nuanced and, well, fuzzy. For example, the concept of borders seems rather intuitive and straightforward. They are literal lines on the ground, right? But upon further inspection, you'll discover such oddities like exclaves or disputed areas, meandering rivers or incorrect survey lines that muddle the proverbial waters a bit. Even types of geographic superlatives that by their very name identify stand-out, one-of-a-kind or extreme places may actually be incorrectly identified or measured or simply overtaken or overshadowed by an even newer discovery. The bottom line is that geography, while ostensibly a clear-cut system of shapes and lines and discrete features, in reality is quite a bit messy. In many cases, it's even necessary to express a location with a level of published uncertainty, like with poles of inaccessibility or to even mark additional locations for the same place, like with the multiple South Poles. As with all of these previous examples, there is yet another type of seemingly well-defined geographic phenomenon that in reality is also quite complicated and rather tricky to pinpoint precisely. Geographic centers. As the name would imply, a geographic center is quite simply a point in a given and defined landmass that marks its center. But no well-defined landmasses exist that have any sort of perfect shape. So if one were to take, say, any randomly shaped landmass, perhaps Texas, how in practice would its center be identified and marked? If it were a perfect circle or a perfect square, it would be easy. But obviously that's not the case, and it's not possible to simply measure equal length vectors inward from the borders. The simple answer to this question is that within the scientific field of physical geography, finding a center of a given and well-defined or bounded landmass is possible by using what's called a centroid method. The book definition of this method reads a bit like a foreign operator's manual, but is somewhat analogous to the methods employed to determine a pole of inaccessibility. The definition reads, The centroid of a two-dimensional shape of a region of the Earth's surface, say Texas, when projected radially to sea level, is known as its geographic center. This center is sometimes also referred to as a gravitational center as it's functionally equivalent to finding the point within the shape that if cut from a uniform plane would balance perfectly on that point. Now from there it only dives more into the weeds. Scientists have since modified this method to do things like Further minimize the sum of squared great circle distances from all points in the region to the center. Or, develop an iterative approach for determining projections to extrapolate a center position. It all sounds like a bunch of obfuscating scientific journal jargon 
for something that should in theory be simple to sort out. Other unique approaches for determining geographic centers have also been proposed. Some geographers insist that volume must factor into the calculations and that any centroid must therefore be a centroid of volume, where elevations must be accounted for with respect to the balancing. In short, three dimensions should be considered in a volume calculation rather than just two for an aerial calculation. Still, other geographers adhere to the bounding box or rubber band method for calculating a center. This method essentially asks the question, if you were to create a perfect box or stretch a rubber band around the area in question, it is much easier to determine a center. Of course, this method is contingent on the orientation of that bounding box or band and means that there are essentially void spaces outside the original shape that are now being factored into the calculations. And yet still others promote the entirely different approach of strictly using latitude and longitude calculations of dividing lines to split regions into equal area parts to then ultimately determine its center. Of course, none of these methods I've described have anything definitive to say about how to handle exclaves, islands, large bodies of water, estuaries, map projection distortion, effects of erosion, earth curvature, or other biases and uncertainties. Even the U.S. Geological Survey states explicitly that there is no generally accepted formal definition of geographic centers and no completely satisfactory method for determining them. In a recent paper published in 2015 in the journal The Professional Geographer, lead author and scientist Peter Rogerson begins by noting, the geographic center of a region is a fundamental geographic concept, and yet there is no commonly accepted method for its determination. But he then goes on to not only delve into the peculiar history of this concept in the paper, but proposes a new and rather novel method for calculating geographic centers. The author writes, The new method minimizes the sum of squared great circle distances from all points in the region to the center, including islands but not coastal waters. This entails projecting regional boundary points using an azimuthal equidistant projection, finding the geographic center of the projected two-dimensional region, and then transforming this location back to a latitude and longitude. Ultimately, this new approach is used here in this paper to find the geographic center of the contiguous United States and to provide a new list of the geographic centers for each U.S. state. Rogerson also notes that this list improves on the wildly used but inaccurate list published by the United States Geological Survey in 1923. The layman's translation of this confounding text is that Rogerson was effectively able to develop a method, a computer algorithm, for determining more accurate centroid centers, or gravimetric centers if you prefer, of any designated place on Earth. Out of this paper, the most significant result is that a new geographic center of the contiguous United States was calculated 
and identify to be located precisely at 39 degrees, 50.13 minutes north, 99 degrees, 5.45 minutes west. This is about five and a half miles from Agra, Kansas, and about 5.7 miles from Kensington, Kansas, and 26.9 great circle miles west of the long-standing designated site near Lebanon, Kansas. And you see, it's this last sentence that might perk up your ears. It is somewhat commonly known that Lebanon, Kansas, is the advertised center of the contiguous United States. There's even a well-known monument there to mark this distinction. But wait, maybe you're thinking you remember seeing a documentary specifically highlighting the South Dakota town of Belle Fourche as the geographic center, or perhaps a different documentary highlighting the town of Rugby, North Dakota as the geographic center. Confusing, isn't it? Perhaps you even saw an article posted this past year having to do with a new and rather fantastical geographical center dispute somewhere in the Dakotas. As I said at the beginning, this topic can lead you down some rather interesting and confusing rabbit holes and can really drive a precision-focused and math-oriented individual like myself quite mad. So let's maybe back up for a minute and start over. When it comes to geographical centers, I feel that it can be argued that there are presently 13 such defined places within the United States, with one additional honorable mention. Now, as I previously noted, these precise locations don't actually factor in many things like tiny inconsistencies in surveying, or monuments being placed slightly offset from the true coordinates, or small physiographic anomalies. A great example of this is the center monument located at a convenient and accessible road intersection in Lebanon, Kansas. This well-known observed monument is actually located a few hundred meters from the true location, which is located smack dab in the middle of a cornfield a half a mile down the road. So, with all of this now said, and along with the aforementioned caveats, here are the 13 geographic center locations within the U.S. that I would personally highlight and consider noteworthy. Number one, the geographical center of the United States, if you include all 50 states, meaning Alaska and Hawaii, is located on a remote farm about 22 miles north of the town of Belfort, South Dakota. This location is marked with a USGS benchmark, a small U.S. flag, and an obvious placard. It is accessible to the public via a short walking path from a dirt road. Now, one note regarding this point, to be entirely accurate, the precise location of this center is actually surveyed about a few hundred yards from the flagpole in a nearby pasture, but given all of the various relevant uncertainties, most just recognize the flagged and USGS-marked location as being sufficient and official. Number two. Now, as you may have guessed, the number two geographical center is simply the observed location for center number one that includes all 50 states, but is instead located in downtown Belforche, the closest town to the actual marker previously noted. This monument 
is a well-known tourist attraction, is accessible right in a downtown park in Belforche, and is marked by a large granite monument and flag. Number three. Number three on the list is just a variation of number one and is known as the geographical center of the contiguous United States, or more accurately, the coterminous United States, which essentially just excludes Alaska, Hawaii, and technically any territories too, like Puerto Rico, Guam, or American Samoa. More colloquially, this is often referred to as the center of the lower 48. This center is the one I already mentioned that is located in a cornfield just north of Lebanon, Kansas. And again, as you might suspect, the number four geographical center is just the observed location for center number three and is located about a half a mile south of the cornfield at the intersection of Kansas Route 191 and AA Road. Yes, I said that correctly. The road is called AA Road. There is even a small roundabout at this intersection with plentiful signage and markers indicating its significance. Number five on the list is just a more accurate and recently recalculated version of the previous two locations. In the aforementioned Rogerson paper, the author calculated this new location using his newly derived analytical technique and algorithm. The result is a new coterminous center calculated using a modern centroid technique and places it 5.4 miles north of Agra, Kansas at precisely 39 degrees 50.13 minutes north, 99 degrees 5.45 minutes west. Incidentally, this location is also in the middle of a pasture. Number six on my list is more of a unique type of geographic center but also has much more of an interesting backstory. The location is known as the geodetic center of the U.S. and is also located in north-central Kansas at a place called Meads Ranch. To explain what this location is exactly, I'll read an excerpt from the Atlas Obscura entry. In the early 20th century, geographers realized that they needed a more accurate point from which to measure the entire continent to create a coordinate system that didn't overlap or leave gaps. As surveys were being done across the American West and into Canada and Mexico, it was becoming apparent that small inaccuracies were compounding, creating overlapping coordinates and requiring surveyors to make corrections as they went along. It was time to create a new reference point and set things right. In the field of geodesy, or the study of the various measurements of the Earth, an origination point is called a datum, and this particular point is aptly called the North American datum. The location was chosen for its centrality in the U.S., and it lies near the intersection of two transcontinental arcs of triangulation for surveyors. From 1913 to 1989, the point was recovered repeatedly, acting as a reference point for further improvements in accuracy. In 1983, the datum was revised to include information from satellite GPS. It remains the most accurate reference point for North America and is still in use by several government agencies, including the U.S. Geological Survey. Number seven and number eight on my geographic centers list have to do with the entire North American continent as a whole. 
meaning it also includes, for example, all of Canada. The precise location for this continental center, at least until very recently, is 48 degrees 10 minutes north, 100 degrees 10 minutes west. This places it in the middle of a small lake in central North Dakota, near the town of Rugby. We'll call this center number seven. As such, the observed location for this center, which we'll call center number eight, is in the town of Rugby itself. There is a prominent stone obelisk at the primary intersection in town that highlights this unique distinction. However, even this cut and dry case has become somewhat muddled as of late and leads into geographic centers number 9, 10, and 11. First thing of note is that the town of Rugby had apparently let their trademark for the phrase geographic center of North America lapse, and one night, over a few too many drinks, this was discovered by an enthusiastic geographile who was also convinced that the actual center was more likely about a hundred miles south of Rugby in the town of Robinson, North Dakota, directly under a local watering hole known as Hansen's Bar. They came to this new epiphany while drinking in said bar when trying to consider what the effects of sea level rise and ice sheet melting might have on the boundaries and border of North America and thus the geographic center. Through some literal back-of-the-envelope calculations, they determined that it was in fact located directly under the bar that they were presently drinking at. The town of Robinson quickly registered the lapsed trademark and put a stylized compass rose decal on the floor of their bar, making it center number nine on my list. Others were still not convinced of these new measurements or the new designation, and this confusion led to much heated debate. It became a rather well-known and public dispute between what were dubbed the Warring Center Towns, Rugby versus Robinson. You might be asking, how did this interesting case ultimately get resolved? Well, enter our old friend, Dr. Peter Rogerson, who also happens to be a professor of geography at the University of Buffalo. He loaded up his newest software algorithm, inputted all of the most accurate latitudes and longitudes from all of the edges of North America, factored in things like the Earth's curved surface, recent sea level rise, and melting of the polar ice sheets. He churned things away, summed up all of the squares, and waited for the proverbial answer to be outputted on the screen. What resulted was somewhat comical. It turns out neither town was right, and that the more precise and accurately calculated geographic center of North America was located just a few miles north of the small town of, wait for it, Center, North Dakota. You can't make this stuff up. So he published the lat long coordinates approximately 47.175 north, 101.301 west, and the town of Center erected a small monument about four miles north of its main square, dubbing the new location the Scientific Center of North America, you know, since the other name was now already trademarked, making this center number 10 on my list. Of course, 
Like every other center, they also observe this marker at the main intersection in the town itself, which we'll call center number 11. What's even more confusing is that the lat-long coordinates that are printed on the official marker four miles north of town are actually the coordinates for the town center, not the coordinates for the precise location that the sign is placed at. As you can imagine, for someone like me, that is mildly infuriating. As you might probably guess, both Rugby and Robinson have not yet yielded in their own claims and continue to each market themselves as the true center of North America. And so, the dispute carries on. That brings us up to the final two geographic centers on my list, which are more social geographical centers than true physical geographical centers. They also come with much more uncertainty and variability, so I won't spend too much time detailing them. These two centers are related to our national population, which in turn is based on census data and various other counts and estimations. The short of it is, however, that there are two designated population geographic centers of the U.S., the first being the Mean Population Center, which is located roughly in south-central Missouri, about 15 miles north of the town of Hartville, as of the 2020 census. It has moved gradually west from the Baltimore area all the way back in the year 1790 to where it is presently as our national population has gradually migrated westward. The way this location is calculated is essentially using a similar type of centroid gravity balance calculation, except that each unit of weight is represented by a single person's location. The variation on this type of center is the median population center of the U.S., which quite simply just indicates the point through which a north-south line and an east-west line each divides the total population of the country in half. As of the 2020 census, this location places roughly 165.7 million Americans on each side of the line of longitude as well as latitude. The point is located in the southeastern tip of Indiana in rural Gibson County. Lastly, we come to the honorable mention I previously noted for geographic centers. This location is simply the North American Pole of Inaccessibility that I talked about at length back in Episode 3. While it's not technically a center, so to speak, it does incorporate a similar type of centroid calculation to determine its location and effectively marks the most inland point in North America. If you're interested in learning more about exactly what this pole is, I definitely recommend going back and listening to that episode and the story of my visit to that unique place. With all of this said, I'm sure there are countless additional locations that could be argued to also be some form of a center, especially if you take all of these nuances and apply them to each state or county. But for the purposes of this story and this episode, I will leave you to ponder these 13 unique places. In the summer of 2016, I set out to visit as many of these aforementioned centers as possible, given a handful of constraints and parameters I had to work around. I broke this endeavor into two separate trips. The first batch of center visits 
coincided with a vacation I took to the Dakotas with my partner. I've spoken about this trip in episode 3, which also included my trip to the North American Pole of Inaccessibility, as well as my visit to North Dakota itself, which also happened to be my 50th and final state visit. As part of this trip, we visited the geographic centers of the entire U.S., the ones including all 50 states. These are the locations I previously noted as centers number one and two. During our drive back from North Dakota, we first made our way over to the very rural old U.S. Highway 85. There is quite literally nothing on this remote gravel road except for a few sparsely located farmhouses. There was no signage anywhere, and as we approached the location as indicated by my GPS, we still thought there had to be a mistake. Right as the GPS began to chime, though, we noticed a small pull-off on the side of the road and a single U.S. flag fluttering lightly a few dozen meters out into the adjacent open pasture. A quick scan of the area revealed a small, handwritten sign sprinkled with bullet holes and hanging from a barbed wire fence, simply denoting the true center of the nation. Next to this rather inconspicuous sign were a handful of wildflowers nestled in a quaint hand-painted clay pot, as well as an accessible entry gate to a small footpath that led out to the flag. Upon arrival at the flag just moments later, we discovered a small concrete block at its base with a crude indication of the year 1959 etched into the concrete, the year that Alaska and Hawaii were added as states and this new location became official. Next to it was a single U.S. geodetic survey benchmark, simply denoting Center 1962. There were a few other triangulation benchmarks on nearby smaller concrete blocks that I made sure to tag as well before snapping a few photos and moving on to the town of Belforche. I opted not to trudge out the several hundred meters to tag the precise location in the nearby pasture as it would have involved hopping a fence and skirting into signed private property. Upon arrival in Belforche about a half an hour later, it didn't take us long to find the newly erected center monument located in the downtown square. The monument itself is a massive granite compass rose on the ground over 10 feet in diameter, with a full map of the United States etched into its surface. The map is drawn such that the approximate location of Belle Fourche falls exactly at the center of the compass rose. A distinct silver emblem rises up at the center, denoting Belforge as the nation's center. Despite this monument's size and impressive design, I felt somewhat unimpressed knowing that its significance was really only symbolic. I snapped a couple of quick photos regardless, and we ultimately continued on with our travels down to the Black Hills and an afternoon hike up South Dakota's highest point at Black Elk Peak. Now, my second batch of center visits came along with my cross-country road trip a few short weeks later. I spoke about this trip in previous episodes, which included visits to several state high points as well as tri-state points, and even a jaunt up to Isle Royale and the isolated and diminutive Jesus Rock. Since the start of this road trip out of Colorado basically had me crossing west to east along northern Kansas, I figured it set me up on an ideal path to visit several more of the aforementioned geographic U.S. centers. 
My plan was simple. I would attempt to visit three of the U.S. geographic centers in the following order. First, I would attempt to visit the newly calculated Centroid Geographical Center of the Coterminous United States, or Lower 48, near Agra, Kansas, number five on my previous list. This point was only recently calculated and there wasn't much available information about it other than satellite imagery. It was also not clear if the point would be accessible as it appeared to fall directly within a farm or pasture land. I was determined, though, to try and get as close as I possibly could. Following that visit, I would make my way over to the most historical and recognizable of the coterminous geographic centers outside of Lebanon, Kansas. If possible there, I might even try to wander into the nearby cornfield to visit the true location of the center as well. These would be the previously mentioned centers number three and four. Lastly, I plan to detour slightly off my projected route to make a visit to the U.S. Geodetic Center, located at Meade's Ranch, again, if possible. The short story here with all of these plans was that I was indeed successfully able to visit each of these unique places. I found myself several times literally walking into a random pasture and taking a picture holding up my GPS unit as proof. Honestly, it all felt a bit silly, as in several of these cases, there really wasn't any official indication of my location other than a beeping GPS unit telling me I was at some pre-programmed and arbitrary set of specific coordinates. Still, given my propensity for numbers, it was definitely satisfying to be standing at many of these exact spots as they are numerically defined. For the first visit to the Centroid Calculated Center, I made a right turn off of U.S. Route 36 onto the gravel East 1300 Road. After just a few miles, I came up on the open pasture where the newly calculated Coterminus Center is located. It was late afternoon, and there was absolutely no one around anywhere for as far as I could see. The specific plot of land with the point was not fenced off, and there was a small dirt double-track road that led out towards the point along what appeared to be a property line. I looked around for an obvious farmhouse or no trespassing signs, but didn't see anything nearby, so I quickly parked my car along the dirt road and jogged out along the double-track road. After about a minute of jogging, I noticed that if I was going to make the actual center, I would need to pull away from the road and scamper into the field itself. The plot was planted with some kind of low crop, possibly alfalfa, but there was plenty of space between the rows to walk without trampling any crops. So I made the command decision that as long as I were quick and left no trace, I would zip down to the center coordinates in just a few seconds, snap an even quicker photo, and be back to my car in under five minutes. And this is precisely what I did. I spent less than two minutes at the center itself and was back in my car just moments later. I drove off Watching my rearview mirror, though, just to make sure I wasn't being followed by an angry rancher. For the second center, it was all smooth sailing. Less than an hour later, I was pulling into the well marked geographical center located near Lebanon, Kansas. When I arrived, I was the only one at the site. I took several pictures of the various markers, monuments, and attractions at the location, and even picked up a souvenir wooden cross from the small chapel. Nearby sat the very rundown and dilapidated remnants of the Center Motel 
that was built on site back in the 1950s as a tourist attraction. It never really took off, though, and has since fallen into disrepair. Today, it is mostly just used by a local hunting club. I mulled around a bit, but couldn't shake that feeling that as interesting and well-adorned as this site was, it wasn't truly the correct location for the center. That location was actually about a half mile down the road in the adjacent cornfield. I was again presented with a moral dilemma. Should I try to walk my way to a numerically and GPS-defined location deep within a cornfield just for the additional compulsive satisfaction or be content to move on knowing I got close enough? Well, as you can probably guess, I decided to explore further. It was late enough in the year that the corn was well over six feet tall, and I figured it would give me adequate cover for any sort of intra-botanical escapades. Now, to any normal person, a visit to the observed monument would have sufficed. Of course, for me, I needed to see if I could get to the actual published coordinates. I ended up just nonchalantly walking down the road, kicking rocks and whistling for about a quarter mile, and then after a few quick glances, jumped into the head-high cornfield. I followed along between the edges of the corn and a small cluster of trees for a few hundred meters, and then I hiked for about another 50 meters deep into the forest of corn, until suddenly my GPS started chirping audibly that I had arrived at the exact coordinates of 39 degrees 50 minutes north, 98 degrees 35 minutes west. My photo from this precise geographical center is as comical as you can imagine. I'm holding a GPS with the correct coordinates, completely surrounded by corn stalks. In my other hand is a small cardboard sign I made from the back of a cereal box, marked sloppily with a sharpie, indicating my precise location. In short, it's a picture of a smiling idiot in a cornfield. I quickly jogged my way back to my car so that I'd still have time before sunset to try and hit my third center of the day. I made my way about 50 miles south from Lebanon, past the town of Tipton, in an effort to visit the geodetic center at Meads Ranch. The actual marked location of this point is up on some land about a mile from a nearby dirt road. It was getting late, and if I didn't hurry, it would start getting dark before I could start any sort of trek up from the road on foot. When I got to the point on the road that marked the straightest line approach to the geodetic marker, I pulled over, slung on a backpack, and began hiking up through the nearby pasture land. I didn't see any fences or private property signs, so I figured I was okay. I made quick work of the trek following several cattle trails, and the route had me climbing several hundred feet, all while dodging numerous cow droppings. When I made it to the top of the final climb right as the sun was setting, my GPS chirped again, letting me know that I had arrived. The famous geodetic benchmark was right where it was supposed to be, marked with a small orange stake and a concrete dome in the ground. It all felt a bit anticlimactic, but it was still oh-so-satisfying. I took several pictures, tagged a few reference benchmarks nearby, and was quick to scamper my way back down to the car. I again made sure not to disturb anything, and leave no trace. The entire hike took me less than 30 minutes round trip, and in all that time I never saw a single cow or car go by on the dirt road. 
When I made it back down to the road, I took one final photograph of my parked car and smiled at the thought of successfully tagging several of the U.S. Geographic Centers. As I hopped in my car and began the drive onward towards Iowa and eventually Minnesota, I couldn't help but think about a future adventure back up to North Dakota someday in order to visit the multiple North American continental centers on my list. Thank you, everyone, for following along as we navigated and explored the complicated and nuanced topic of geographical centers, and we revisited my treks to several of the more well-known of these locations within the United States. In the next episode, we're going to go back to the state of Vermont one last time for another trek to nowhere. We'll revisit a unique challenge and traverse of sorts that I designed and ultimately carried out back in the summer of 2017. Take care, everyone, and be safe. Mm-hmm.